Hey, this is Gary. This is Mike. And Daniel. We're not professionals. We're just three addicts sharing our experiences, strength, and hope regarding recovery. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other addicts and to practice these principles in our lives. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the 12th Step Podcast. My name is Gary. And I'm Mike. And this is Daniel. Well, gentlemen... We have got a very significant email. Yes. With wow, just a lot of heartfelt stuff. And I'll be I'll be honest with you. We we received this email a little while ago, and we've been kind of sitting on it and processing it and thinking about it. And I know that I myself have, you know, discussed it with my significant other and my therapist and mm-hmm. and you know a couple members of my support group because there's just so so much in this email and there's just so much in it. We we could make a series of, yeah, of episodes on this. And, and I know that you guys have both read it and, and have done very much the same thing. And we've been discussing how we wanted to approach this and, and in our infinite wisdom, (laughs) we've decided that we're just, we're just going to go with it. We're just going to go with it. And before we really go too far, I just, um thanks Genevieve yeah really I, I I don't I don't know do you know what one of the nicest things about doing a podcast like this one of the reasons that, that you practice the 12th step is because not only do you get to share you get to share your experiences mm-hmm. so that you can keep them but you get to be a part of some other people's lives and and yeah. and you know when you discuss this kind of thing there's opportunities to feel gratitude for where you're at there's opportunities to to feel some compassion right and mm-hmm. and to see to to take a problem like this and see it from somebody else's perspective as you hear their story deepens your understanding right. of the problem and the things that we actually deal with and how reaching it actually is. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to add my own experience to that. So, and I'm, the reason I say thanks Genevieve is because the timing of this couldn't have been better. We had just finished mm-hmm. up our own stage three uh, experience. And in the last episode, we had a chance to listen to a, I'm trying to think of her name, a Maddie, uh, um, somebody out of New York who was a broad, who was very much a visible figure who... Uh, Maddie Corman. Maddie Corman. And uh, uh, Genevieve, you're, that's a name you're going to want to remember. It's a podcast of somebody you may want to listen to. Or her husband was uh, both very public figures and came out, uh, uh, and, and it was a very public experience because the police came over, arrested him, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that was, that was our last Sage 3 episode. Well, this mm-hmm. email came at the same time. And part of the reason why I find that so incredibly powerful is because uh, at the, the table who's sitting here right now, I'm the one who didn't get caught. Mm-hmm. My experience was such that um, uh, I knew I had a problem of some type. I didn't know what it was, so I went to see my therapist. And then it's somewhere down the road, seven, eight, nine months later, I had a chance to visit with my wife and say, look, I have, a, I have this problem I've been dealing with. And that's relevant to me because I don't know that I ever felt the complete impact of what it feels to be the victim. Mm -hmm. I think both of you experienced that to some extent when your universe kind of came crashing Mm -hmm. down and how difficult that might have been. Mine was not that way. And so for me to have that experience with Maddie Corman, watching that video, and then Mm -hmm. to see this this 
this uh, text or this email from Genevieve as uh, it's affected me deeply mm-hmm. uh, because it's the first time I think I've ever really realized. <clears throat> excuse me. <coughs> about how uh, my behaviors have affected my own life. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I've been at this for a long time, seven years of practicing and working my recovery, and for whatever reason, it's just never settled in as deeply as it should have been um, about how my behaviors have affected her. And so to see these episodes and to see you know, Genevieve write in and say my life has been destroyed as a result of this and this is what's going on, has really affected me powerfully. So again, thank you for thank you for sharing, because we don't get an opportunity to mm. see the victims of our abuse uh, yeah. in the way that in the ways that, that really affect us powerfully. I, I also just want to. I th- I think I know that it has affected me deeply too, as different parts of the the letter have touched on a number of my own experiences. Exactly. Yeah. And. If I'm being absolutely honest, I want I'm I for one am approaching this with a great deal of humidity humility and well you know my eyes are watering maybe a little humidity too but um, I'll I'll be honest there's a lot of this stuff in here that I have a couple thoughts and I have a couple ideas but I'm I feel a little bit inadequate so I'm going to do the very best that I can and I think we're all on that. Yeah. Spot. No, we definitely are. Um, I mean, when I read over this, I mean, this shortly came out um, after we did that one uh, episode that where I talked about how I had yeah. wasn't being allowed at my daughter's wedding, and you know, yeah, she talks yeah. about that, and you know, I went through some of this where I had caused so much pain and damage to my ex that she was almost, I, I mean, probably just as vicious in some of her mm-hmm. behaviors as um genevieve is saying and um so i mean i've had to take time to to work through this and like oh man i don't want to get triggered while going through this That's because just... you know <clears throat> i lived through that but at the same time it, this just shows the level of pain and anguish that she was in right um you know because it goes back to and this is something i said often to some of even my sp- sponsees is you know, when you corner a dog that's hurt, it bites back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't care if you're loving or tender. It's perceived you as a threat and it bites back. And that's probably what's happened here for her is she just felt like she was back into a corner. She had no way to to get out of the situation and just everything felt like an attack. So she just bit back. And unfortunately, our actions, you know, have consequences yeah. um, on both sides, whether yeah. it's the, the addict or... The betrayed spouse that's acting out or um, kids or anybody hurt. else involved yeah. you, uh, yeah. that's a universal truth you know yeah, you yeah. you get to you choose your, your actions the, the world, world chooses your consequences, consequences. Yeah. Yeah. um well listen i think we've kept our listeners uh, on the hook on the hook for a while <laughs> yeah the, w- the one thing i would really like to address to genevieve is you know you've probably been out there like wow i sent this out what the heck just know we wanted to approach this with you know, the purest of intent. And so it did take us a while. So we weren't ignoring it Mm -hmm. or anything like that. We just needed to know how to unpack this properly without us just making a mess of it. Right. That's a fair statement. Okay. Here we go. 
Hello, 12th Step Podcast. First off, I would really like to thank you for having the strength to stand out as individuals that are not afraid of the stigma around the addiction and for being <clears throat> and for being willing to be a source of help and inspiration to others. I have been listening to your shows for some time and have appreciated your perspective, honesty, helpful information regarding this addiction. Let me give you some background before I ask my question, as I hope it will allow you to answer my question better. I am what most people around the world call a Mormon, and my religion has very strict views regarding sex, especially before marriage. And this type of addiction is severely frowned upon. I have seen many good men shunned and exiled from church because it has come out that they have a porn or sex addiction. I find this very sad as we are fellow <clears throat> as we are fellow Christians that believe in the atonement of Christ and that anyone can be healed and saved through him. Yet for some reason many of my friends, family and fellow churchgoers do not see it that this way. And unfortunately for some time I was one of them. <clears throat> Because of my upbringing in the church, when I discovered my husband viewing pornography, I was less than kind. If I am to be downright honest, I was horrible. I knew he, was, he will carry scars for the rest of his life from the damage that I caused due to how poorly I treated him during our marriage and divorce. Because of how I was raised and the beliefs of my church, I believe that any man that viewed pornography or had sexual addiction were the scum of the earth, and I wanted nothing to do with any man that had even looked at it in any form. My hatred was so strong and vile that I refused to speak with any man that struggled with this addiction, and if you believe what is on the internet that is anywhere from 60 to 80 excuse me 60 to 98 percent of men out there words could not describe how strong my anger was because of this statistics i could not believe that any man could be trusted that they were all liars cheaters creeps and that i was better off without them that this addiction was one of the unforgivable sins in God's eyes. My divorce was not pretty. I was so angry. I crucified my ex-husband in court. I dragged his name through the mud. I left everyone in our church. I let everyone in our church know what he had done. And I made sure he paid for what he had done to me. How I treated him bled over to our children. And I didn't care. He... I didn't care. He had not, he had no right to be around our children. I feared for their safety and believed that he could be a pedophile. I felt justified in my belief as I believed God was with me. Then three years after my divorce, the foundation of my world was rocked. My parents sat me down one night and opened up to me about my father's own struggles with pornography. I was stunned and baffled. How could my father, this pillar of strength for all my life, be someone that had struggled and dealt with this addiction? This could not be. My father couldn't have been one of those unforgivable men. 
He was the kindest, most gentle of people I know. My father had been in the military, and that is when pornography was first introduced to him. At first, it was not something that he thought was any big deal. But after multiple deployments over time, it became a problem. And my mother had a very similar reaction that I did. But they clung to one another and fought to keep their marriage while working on my father freeing himself from the addiction. This was something they had kept secret from myself and my siblings. My parents saw how my anger and pain was hurting me and my children, so they decided it was time to confess their struggles to me. It was then my mother referred me to a CSAT therapist that, that she met with. I met with a therapist, and because of how intense my anger was at men and my false belief that my father was the only exception in the world that could be could escape this addiction my therapist required me to listen to your podcast and that i had to listen to at least 10 episodes i reluctantly listened to the 10 episodes i was required to listen to and i hated this assignment because you started off every show informing the world that each of you are addicts Yet with each episode, your honesty and vulnerability struck a chord with me, and I found myself wanting to hear more from, from you about your thoughts and your struggles. I began to believe that there were men other than my father that could overcome this addiction, and that my beliefs were wrong. Then I began to feel guilty about how I treated my ex-husband, and that none of you enjoy this addiction and that you hate it as much as I did. And I have some and I have some to love and someone to love and appreciate I have come to love and appreciate your show and insight. Deep breath. <laughs> That's written. That is written. That is a lot just up to that point. I know, right? <clears throat> Deep breath. And now that all of that is out of the way, here is my question. And I hope that you can help me because of my behavior and how I treated my ex and everything my children have seen and heard. My oldest daughter, who is engaged to be married, wants nothing to do with her father. She does not want him to be at the, her wedding. She does not want him in her life at all. I can see that he has been able to turn his life around. And he has remarried. His wife is a wonderful woman. And unlike with me, he did not keep his addiction and struggles secret from her. And the three of us are working at being friends for our children. Sadly, my past behavior has created this problem. And it continues to cause damage and pain to my ex-husband. I do not know how to help my daughter or my ex-husband's relationship with her. I do not know how to correct the ripple effect created because of my anger and pain. I have talked with my daughter about how wrong I was and how I treated her father, that he deserves to have her in his life and vice versa, and that he is such a different person that when we are together, I have... That's a, hold on. I'm guessing that should be then. Yeah. When we were together. Then when we were together. I have... 
suggested therapy, but she refuses. I have suggested we sit down and talk together and talk things out. She refuses. I hate what I've done. I hate the pain and damage that I have caused. I have spoken to my therapist at length about this issue, but I am wondering if any of you can give me some personal insight as to how I can find a way to mend the damage I have created between my daughter and her father. Genevieve. Deep breath. Yeah, it's a lot. My heart goes out. Yeah. To everybody involved. I mean, sad thing is about this addiction is that they're, you know, you got to get out of it. There's just no winners. You, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. mm. I'm going to start with a story. Genevieve. Okay. Um, I'm going to refer to some names that I'm certain that you're going to understand and know who they are. Uh, I read a lot. Uh, probably more than I should. Uh, it's a sickness of mine. Maybe it's my second addiction. I don't know. I'm reading the story of an individual by the name of David Bednar, who at the time was an educator at BYU, Idaho. Um, he talks about, uh, he was an administrator, he was actually the president of BYU, Idaho, and uh, he had a he had a, an opportunity to visit with an individual who was dying of cancer, a guy by the name of, of uh, Neil Maxwell. And he asked Neil Maxwell, he said, you know, you're obviously experiencing some real troubles in your life, some real issues. What's, uh, what are the things that you've learned from this particular issue? And he's made the comment. He said, I, my cancer has taught me not to shrink. That's an interesting word. And, he, and uh, David Bednar goes on to talk a little bit more about this idea of concept of shrink. Um, I've looked high and low in anything that, there's only a couple of places, uh, one very famous where the Savior himself says, I drank from a bitter cup and did not shrink. Mm -hmm. So I've looked up the word shrink. The word shrink, two synonyms, retreat or recoil. Mm -hmm. And I think those are powerful words, uh, you know, powerful words for, and it's it's interesting, I know, and I know that these names mean something to Genevieve, they're people that uh, that she relates to, um, but the interesting thing about that particular thing is is that that shrink and retreat are the very reactions that each one of us have. He goes on to talk about the fact that each one of us are going to we're going to experience our own Gethsemane. Mm -hmm. um, because that's mortal life, and. The challenge of our mortality is, is that we learn to do to deal with these issues and deal with them well. Genevieve has learned that lesson in a very real way. <clears throat> Unfortunately, she doesn't have the opportunity and doesn't have the ability to live her daughter's life. Yeah, and to and to uh, um, impose her will as a parent. Um, in a way that she can break whatever the situation is between her daughter and her and her and her ex-husband. Um, but that's really the challenge for each one of us is to to realize and to be better, mm -hmm. to not shrink, 
to not yeah. shrink. And I think that's a that's a powerful, powerful lesson for each one of us. Um, I think uh, I've been I've been incredibly blessed that my wife's response to my uh, my admittance of my own issues. Um, she didn't shrink. And after several years that we're still working through our marriage and trying to find ways that we can work together as a husband and wife and that she doesn't retreat and she doesn't, uh, she doesn't strike out. Now that's not to say that we're perfect. It's to say that we're working on it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, that's a significant deal. Um, what a golden opportunity. What a fantastic lesson for for Genevieve and for her family and for everybody yeah. involved to be able to figure out how difficult these moments of, of life are. Yeah. I don't believe that I don't believe that uh, um, her response or you know the things that she talks about by, about being LDS or being Mormon or being any of those things are taught. In a lot of cases, what it is is how we interpret those particular things. Um, I, know, I know my church, your church, any church that anybody belongs to doesn't teach those kinds of things. What happens is is that we internalize those sorts mm -hmm. of things and believe that this is the way we're supposed to respond. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think it's the older I get, the softer I become, the better I realize, mm -hmm. the more I realize that I need to be kind to people. I need to do what I need to do because my children are listening. Yeah. My grandchildren are paying attention and it's hard. That's a hard thing. <clears throat> well, and, and this, I'm, I'm just going to maybe offer a gift to, to Genevieve um, as being the spouse yes. that had an ex-spouse that was very similar in her behavior that ended up not being able to go to my daughter's wedding because my daughter didn't want me there. Um, your daughter wasn't only paying attention to you. Right. You know. Um, there were many behaviors that I was doing that caused that rift. Um, yes, my ex did contribute some to there, but so did I. I was also a contributing factor into this breakdown in the relationship between my daughter and I. And I'm sure your husband, your ex-husband, excuse me, wants that relationship as much as you want her to have that relationship, but it has to be on her timetable. You know, and he just needs to be patient and loving and wait, as do you, because you can't force her to have a relationship. Right. Uh, you can continue to be loving. You can continue to remind her that, you know, her dad's a good man, that he's changed, that you see that change, but you have to let her make the decision mm -hmm. to say, okay, I want to give dad a chance. That's something she has to choose, as hard as it is, um, and accept that... The part you've played in this, you realize your mistake, you've apologized, you're trying to atone for it, but, you know, your ex has to do the same thing, you know, that's something that I'm doing is, I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't allowed at my daughter's wedding, I didn't fight it, I didn't complain, I didn't moan, I didn't make my, my daughter feel bad in any way, shape, or form, mm -hmm. I made sure my oldest son took a, a wedding gift, that, that still arrived, um, I wrote a nice little letter to the both of them, wishing them the best. There was n it was all about them. And now I'm just waiting. You know, one day she, I will probably get a phone call or a letter or she'll show up at my door 
and then we can start building. But it has to be on her time. It can't be on mine. Right. Yeah, I'd like to build on that a little bit. Um, you got to where you're at now, but there were certain things that you had to go through to get there. Yeah. Absolutely. You, it, it took the time it needed for you to get where you're at now. Yeah. And so there are a couple of things I'd like to say before I get into some of my thoughts. The first thing in the beginning, in the beginning of your, of your message to us, you thank us for having the straight to the strength to be vulnerable <clears throat> and talk mm -hmm. about our shell ourselves and things like that. And, and I want to mirror that back to you in sharing this with us. You've done the very same thing. Oh my thing. gosh, this was yeah. tremendous. Very powerful. I, I don't think there was a, a, a non-teary eye I know. <laughs> as you were reading through that between um, the three of us. And I can also say that we all know exactly what it feels like to hate what we've done. Yes. Yes. And understand that to a certain extent we're powerless to mitigate the consequences. Yeah. You know, I, um, I had to, I had to put back together every significant relationship in my life. And some people took longer than others. I had, I have four boys and their ages are very wide. And my oldest was very quick to forgive. My second took time. He took a lot of time actually, you know, and then my third had limited understanding. And then my fourth was so young at the time that that was something that had to re be revisited even just recently. As now he's old enough to, to kind of process that. And I'm still very open about all these things. So the consequences of my actions are still mine to deal with. So I want to thank you for making your, for sharing your story. You know, I, think that you being so forthright and honest about your feelings and how you dealt with them and the consequences of those actions are going to find a home and strike a chord with a lot of our listeners. Yes. Oh yeah. You know, and you know, thank you for sharing. You're, you're not going to get any condemnation from anybody here. Nope. <laughs> we all, not at all. We all know how it feels to, to carry the burden of wishing that we had done things differently. Yes. Um, Daniel and, is, is right. You, your, your daughter's going to have to take her own journey. And I, I remember once I was lamenting to my therapist that I wouldn't, I felt bad that I couldn't be a, uh, because of my actions, I couldn't be a good example mm -hmm. to my, to my boys. And, and he said something to me that changed my whole life. He said, well, Maybe you can be a really good example of what to do when you've made a mistake, mm -hmm. how to fix that. So be a really good example of what to do when you've made a mistake. I would be open and honest and share your experience with your daughter, not just in words, but in actions. And it will take time. 
it will take time. And I wish like crazy that there was something you could do, that there was a, a, a I don't know, a button that you can press or, or whatever it is, but we all have our own journey and we need to go through it because we go through these things because I went through my things because Gary needed to learn something about Gary, mm-hmm. you know, and I had to go through that to get where I'm at now. You had to go through what you went through to get to where you're at now. And your daughter will have to do the same, yeah. but I would, I would encourage you to be patient the it's the long game god plays the long game <laughs> so true you know well i think one of the really interesting things here um you know continue to build your relationship with your ex-husband i mean not not that you're going to be like in a married relationship anymore but with him and his spouse if your daughter can continue to see that you are friends that's going to really be valuable because mm-hmm. if she can see you in that place, then it she's eventually going to say, okay, maybe maybe mom, you know, what I saw with mom was wrong. <laughs> maybe it's time to give it a chance. You got that same opportunity when your parents sat you down and mm-hmm. said, hey, let, let's tell you the truth about mm-hmm. our relationship. Yeah, so it kind of, it, there's kind of a mirror here that I'm starting to see is, you know, maybe... Yours isn't the same, you know, because maybe that's why you want to sit down with your daughter, mm-hmm. but it's not going to work with her. And so, but you've had time to remove yourself from the relationship before, you know, because if I remember right, you said like three years later, your parents sat you down. So there was time there mm-hmm. to lessen the, the wounds, the pain. There was probably some healing done. And then your parents offered you this, this gift. Maybe that's what it, it just is. It's going to take a little bit of time for her to heal and then her constantly seeing that, wow, mom and dad are still friends. Mm-hmm. And not only that, they're they're happy. Mm-hmm. And this is the, the best I've ever seen them. Yeah. It, reminds gonna, me, it reminds me a little of, a, of an experience I had. I knew that I had a lot of things that I needed to deal with as I went through recovery, but I was in recovery for three and a half years before I was mentally and emotionally healthy enough to deal yeah yeah with you know with a particular problem so i had to go through all of that to get to a point to where i then had the capacity to address this one and i think your daughter is in very much the same place i think that you were also in the same place that you had to go through a process to get to the point where you could Mm -hmm. you know deal with with the reality of you know the, the consequences of your actions your own experience and and what that all looked like I was just going to say that as I read this again and again and again, that the word that keeps coming back to me, and just, I think Daniel just hit on it, was the word gift. Mm-hmm. This, this, yeah. this email is loaded with gifts. Yeah, It's just absolutely loaded with gifts. It's an opportunity to see. It's, it's an opportunity to think and feel deeper. And I think that's just a powerful, powerful gift. Mm-hmm. She's, she's getting a second opportunity. Geneva, Genevieve herself is getting this second opportunity to look at look at her life in a different yeah. way to mm-hmm. see things differently now she's you know she she feels as though she's tainted the the, the water a little bit with with her daughter and and, and yeah. her ex her ex-husband and maybe that's the case and maybe there and there's a gift in that as well yeah. mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's a, it's it's a great opportunity to work on that particular issue uh I think you both hit on right on it yeah. the daughter's going to take some time but she'll get there which yeah. is mm-hmm. another gift right 
I mean, uh, and the fact that the fact that the ex has moved forward and has been able, the fact that they've been able to maintain a relationship that is a that that's a positive relationship, I get the impression another gift. That, that well, I mean, just, I mean, that's the one gifts. amazing thing is she went from being so livid and hating yes, him that yes. now she's like, I'm trying to build a friendship with him. Mm-hmm. That's right. Not only that, she's setting herself up as a as a an example and a voice of reason. That's right. Yeah. I love this line. I hate what I've done. I hate the pain and damage that I've caused. What a gift. Yeah. What an absolute mm-hmm. gift. It's the realization that I've done something. Mm-hmm. I've done something that I'm not necessarily proud yeah. of. And, and how many of us make mistakes and yet are not willing to own up to those mistakes yeah. that we made? Mm-hmm. This, is, this is just dripping with gifts. This is a, oh. this is a golden email. And another thing, you know, with the daughter getting married, she's eventually going to run into the challenges of being in a relationship. Yes. And so maybe it'll come back like, Mom, how did you do it? Right. I mean, Mm-hmm. You know, not saying that, you know, the, the, the her new husband has a pornography addiction, right. but just the everyday stuff of f- forming into a relationship, you right. know, after the honeymoon phase mm-hmm. ends, mm-hmm. you start kind of butting heads a little bit. How about the gift that dad came forward? Yeah. The, the, yeah. the gift that dad came forward. And they kept that, they kept that issue secret in their marriage yeah. for so many years. And it was able to come forward at a particular time that was most relevant yeah. and say, I've had this issue. I've dealt with this particular problem, and I know what he's going through, and I know everything about that. Another just massive gift. Yeah. Do you know what? If you stop and think about it, your daughter has has access to tools that you didn't. Exactly. When, yeah. when, when you found out, you didn't have the resources or anything like that to deal yep. with the problems that your, your daughter now has access to. She has you, and she has your parents, and she has... Her father, you know, dad and stepmom eventually. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it would not surprise me at all to find out that her new husband has at some point in time dealt with these particular issues. Maybe he's overcome them, Mm -hmm. but maybe that's still in his future as well. Yeah. And to be able to go to someplace. Or a son. That's right. You you know, that's exactly right. So to have so many resources within your own family who can say, look, I've been dealing with this problem for a long time and let me help you. Let me help you understand what you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Just, just loaded with gifts. Yeah. This is just a remarkable email. There's also, a, there's also a piece that I found that when there were times that I, I could not, I got to think of how to articulate this correctly. I have to exercise a great deal of faith. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because there are so many things that I can't undo. Yeah. That I, the damage that I can't fix, you know, I have to, I, I have to surrender those pieces. Otherwise, otherwise my life would be unbearable. Right. Really, that's the only way that I can. No, I, I depend on that. I depend on, on giving that over to my higher power, to my savior. I, I have to. And that, that was something that I had to learn. And that wasn't an easy thing to learn, to surrender, to surrender that. And I have to turn that over. I, I, the things that I cannot control, I have to turn over. Yeah. And then, oh, and then just, there, there's a line from the, from the New Testament that keeps coming back to me, you know, be still and know that I am God. Just, right. you know. Powerful. Yeah. I, the thing that keeps coming to my mind is, is that is that God mends unmendable things. Mm-hmm. There's so many things in my life that because of the the recklessness of my behavior that I can't fix. I don't have within my wherewithal to to fix um, 
I've not shared my story on our podcast ever, but one of the pieces that I will share today is the day that I actually made a, uh, made the, made the, made up the courage to, to actually visit with my wife and tell her about uh, uh, about my addiction is the night that she shared with me that she was she was contemplating suicide. <clears throat> and uh, she'd made the decision that uh, that moving forward, our kids were now now out of the house, off to college, and uh, and we were to that place where it looked like we were going to be empty nesters, and and the fear of that was so powerful to her that she had decided that in the same year that I had made a commitment to do something about my addiction, she'd made a she'd made a decision to end her life, and so it was powerful and meaningful. And I I share that because uh, I I'd pushed her to a point of an unmendable place. I couldn't fix it myself. It was nothing I could do that I could unravel that particular situation. Um, and to this day, I, there's nothing I can do to fix that. And yet, we're moving forward in a meaningful way. And so, again, those are when you talk about faith, and, and there's some things that I have to turn over, I can't, I can't control, I can't deal with, hmm. that my higher power has to deal with. It's mending unmendable things. I couldn't, I couldn't do it myself. Yeah. So just a powerful concept because and I, and I think Genevieve hits on it where you know these are things that have happened in our existence that we don't get a chance and an opportunity to control and we don't get a chance to fix yeah um, we're all very sorry for how our behaviors had led us to this place but 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 that's the way it is that's the reality we're in and that and it requires us to move forward in some step of faith you know you just said something that gave me a thought that I want to share <sighs> There have been a number of things that I've I've wanted to fix. There's honestly I wanted to fix everything from the moment sure. that I committed to to changing, but I didn't have the tools to do that. Exactly. And those things I had to turn over. But I found that as I've gone through recovery, that along the way I start gaining some of those tools, and then suddenly some of those things are within my power to fix. Yes. You know, I was thinking about the relationship with my second son. And thinking one of the tools I needed to mend that relationship was X amount of time in sobriety. Yes. And until I got that, you know, because I had to, I had to does that make sense? It does. So I, I like that because, you know, that's a very hopeful kind of a thing that just because it won't, it's now is not the time doesn't mean that there won't be a time. Correct. Right? You, Correct. you know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to play off of that as well. Mm -hmm. I have 12 I have, I'm 12, listen to me. I have four daughters. <laughs> Not 12. <laughs> I have four daughters. And, uh, and though they know a little bit about my, I've never actually sat down with them and actually gone over, with the exception of my oldest. I felt like that at one point in time that it was, I, I might be able to help her, and, uh, and it really turned out poorly. And so um, these things are all in my future. As a result of that, I don't have the strongest relationship with my children, and yet I, I have to exercise some level of faith in knowing that at some point in time, an opportunity will present itself, and I'll have an opportunity to talk openly mm -hmm. and honestly in a meaningful way, and that vulnerability will allow us to be closer. Mm -hmm. And that we'll move to a step, we'll move to a level that we've never been at before. I have to, be, I have, to have faith in that, otherwise uh, it's a bleak existence. It's a bleak existence, and, and I think that's what Genevieve's getting at right here. Is that I've got this daughter that, that you know, how do I get to that next level? I don't know that I have an answer for you. I really don't. I'm just I'm just telling you that at some point in time it will happen for you, 
and that opportunity will present itself and you'll say and do the right things because I have faith in that. Mm-hmm. I just simply have faith in mm-hmm. that. That that's the that's the God men's unmendable things kind mm-hmm. of thing I'm mm-hmm. talking about. I mean I would just say you'll have some serenity in the in the situation. That's right. Let go of the desire to try to control this relationship yeah. between the two of them. Yes. Um it will happen. It will take time. Be patient, be loving. You know, same thing to your ex. Just be patient, be loving. It will happen. It just, you just, it's going to take time. And it really is going to be at your daughter's timetable. Mm -hmm. And then also accept the fact that some problems aren't yours to fix. That's true. That's a true story. That's sort of the serenity prayer concept, right? The the wisdom to know the difference. But definitely keep working on you. Keep getting yourself to a better place. And the more you do that, your daughter's going to see it. Oh, yeah. 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 Do you know, I'm reminded, I'm reminded of a a story from the New Testament. You guys remember when Christ was walking on the water and he was approaching the ship and he beckoned, beckoned for Peter to to meet him. And so Peter walks out there and he, he, you know, instead of, he loses focus on what he said, he's not watching the Savior anymore as he starts noticing the tempest and the winds and the waves. And so that he began, he begins to sink. Anyway. He, you know, he calls out to the Savior, and the Savior pulls him out of the water, and he says, you know, why did you, why did you doubt? Okay? And then they walk back to the ship. Now, the point in the story that I wanted to, to bring up was, I think one of my favorite parts of the story comes right then on the walk back to the ship. Because the storm doesn't calm, the seas don't calm until they get to the ship. So I imagine what was that journey back sure. look like, <laughs> you know? It was probably rough going. I mean, the winds didn't change. The trouble didn't change. And I've often thought about that in my recovery. You know, yes, I was, I was plucked out of the water, you know, and I'm committed on this journey, but it's still rough water until the end. Yeah. You you know what I mean? But this focus was different. But the focus was different and, and you get to walk along, you you know, you get to walk along with the savior. And so it's a little bit different experience. So. What I take away from that is is that I go through life's troubles and it is hard, or I see people that are hurting, or and the, to realize that it's in a lot of ways it's supposed to be that way. We're supposed to be challenged. It's supposed to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We we need things to overcome. That doesn't mean that you go out and you do stupid things to create them, but but you, you understand I what do. I mean? Yeah, I do. I, uh, so so. I guess my my reason or my point in wanting to tell you that story is is that as you walk this and it's trouble, it's troubled waters, there are high winds, understand that that too is part of the process. And that shouldn't be something that discourages you. That should, I'm going to go back to that, you know, you just got to turn that over, you got to surrender that and then Mm -hmm. just be still. It's a great mm -hmm. story. I love the story because... Uh, at that, that particular moment, the Savior has an opportunity to explain to Peter what it is that had happened. Well, he mm-hmm. lost focus, right? He started focusing on the, the turbulent waters and everything else around. But when he was focusing just on the Savior and walking towards him, he was just fine on the water. So that walk back would have been very much a focused conversation than mm-hmm. not paying attention to all the stuff that's going on around. Because you're right, it didn't go away. Yeah. It did not go away. It's just that the focus was different. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, it made an entirely different experience for him. So yeah, that's a great, great analogy. Yeah, I hope great that was story. helpful. Yeah, great story. <clears throat> well, um, we've, we've, 
we've come to the end of our podcast, but I'm going to, I'm going to just say specifically, thank you, Genevieve. It was a, it was a powerful email and a a deep, meaningful, I think a a deep, meaningful experience for each one of us to contemplate. So thank you. I really hope that this was helpful because I know that you sharing with, sharing with us, sharing with me was very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I really, really appreciate what you've done. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, I, there's probably countless others that will be listening to this episode that are in your shoes and, and can feel that or are, you know, like us, addicts that, wow, gives us a, an insight to the pain yeah. um, that we've caused to our, our spouse. But I can never be reminded enough. Yeah. I just simply can't. And, and yeah, I just, I just can't. I, I get so calloused even years after the fact that I start to feel I'm beyond all of that. It's it's so far back there that I don't remember it anymore. So it's yeah. really good to be reminded. It really is good to be reminded. So thank you very much. Yeah. But so. just know you, your daughter will find her way. She will. She uh, will. Just continuing to be the amazing woman that you are. I mean, we, can, we all felt it in that email. Yeah. Um, Continue to be that example to your children, and they'll find their way. They're watching you closer than you think. Yep, they are. So true. So true. Well, with that, this is Mike saying, uh, do the work necessary to find the peace that recovery can bring. And this is Gary saying, do the next right thing. And this is Daniel saying, find the humility in your recovery. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like this episode, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find us. As a fellowship of recovering addicts, Sex Addicts Anonymous offers a message of hope to anyone who suffers from sex addiction. Check out saa-recovery.org.